A pink light glows in your periphery. P-S-Y-C-H-I-C. Psychic. Into the glass window, you gaze, conjuring up an image of who may live inside. A long-haired woman, maybe, drenched in beads, lit by candles in the purple glow of her crystal ball, beholding your fate. But the glass box remains empty. You walk away thinking, who are these so-called psychics adorning the streets with their storefronts? And how do they get such prime Manhattan real estate? Turns out. Hello? Hey there. Um, this is Paley Martin. I'm a student at the New School doing a radio piece about New York City psychics. I found you online. Are you at all interested in commenting on that? Uh, no, I'm sorry. I won't be able to do anything like that. Okay, thank you so thank much. You, okay, bye-bye. They're harder to contact than you think. My name is Hillary George Parkin, and I'm a journalist. Hillary recently wrote a piece for The Atlantic, exploring the legality of New York storefront psychics. She too found it difficult to get psychics to open up, and probably for good reason. Okay, so in New York, there is a um, statute that says that all fortune telling is crime, unless specifically said to be at entertainment purposes. This might come as a surprise to anyone who has walked through the East Village. So anyone who holds themselves out to have occult powers or says that they can get rid of curses, says that they can see the future and then and profits from it, that is illegal in New York. But as Hillary points out, it's not exactly a high priority. Police in New York City are dealing with very serious crimes all over the place. So this particular type of crime can seem a little far-fetched. But sometimes it does make it to court. And when it does, we're not talking about $10 tarot card readings. We're talking big money. This is what's known as fortune-telling fraud, a well-orchestrated long con that takes huge sums of money, up to hundreds and thousands of dollars from its victims over long periods of time. It's usually, okay, so it starts with the the cold read. So someone will come in off the street. It's usually for a nominal fee. You know, you see the, the signs and they say psychic readings, $5, $10 maybe. And from there, they'll pick up on little things um, during reading. They'll, they'll say things that could apply to many people. Oh, you're having troubles in love. You're having troubles in your health. And when they, they sense some kind of reaction, I guess, then that can kind of allow them to pick up on that and then feed that back to the client. This hasn't stopped fortune telling from becoming a huge industry, however. New York City is the psychic capital of the world. From palm readers to mentalists working in parks, bookstores, or even bachelorette parties, not all of them are the storefront psychics illuminating the streets of our city. After several phone calls and rung doorbells, we got a call back. Okay, um, I'm Angela Lucy. Um, I'm a tarot card reader. I work out of my apartment on 14th Street. I also work at Namaste Bookshop a couple times a week on 14th Street. Um, I do parties. I do private clients. Just a wide variety of things. I also work over the phone, Skype, Internet. You can get me in many different ways. Angela's philosophy toward her psychic powers, so to speak, is less mystic as it is therapeutic. It is what it is. So, you know, if you're completely blocked off to it, the information is still going to be there. Most th the thing about my readings, I want them to be helpful. And I'd, I prefer people don't sit down and say, oh, well, what do you see? You know, focus in on something so that I can help you, so that it's not just, oh, airy-fairy. Psychic ability is like another sense, she says. 
Learning it just comes down to practice. Some people come up to me and say, when did you know you had your gift? I always give this analogy. It's like, what if you worked in a perfume factory and you would know all the different scents? You'd say, oh, that's lavender, that's jasmine, that's roses, you know, and you and I would probably struggle with that. And it's just because you practice more with the sense of smell. And it's just the same way as practicing with your psychic sense. As far as the greater psychic community is concerned. Uh, yeah, there are people over at Namaste that I totally, there, there are many, there's a team of readers over there. So yeah, I get to talk to the other readers. Not everybody's a tarot reader over at the bookshop. There's tarot readers, there's angel card readers, there's um, mediums or and Reiki masters. And then there's there are people, the storefront gypsies are a little different. They have their own little traditions. As for those laws Hillary was talking about. It's still on the books that it's illegal to do soothsaying. So that's why it says on my business cards for entertainment only, because it's, it's there's a fine. But um, I think it's good that it's on the books, because at least they've got something when people are doing, hey, give me $20,000, I'll bear it in the backyard, and they don't get their money back or whatever. Um, they've got something to stand on. And yet... Yeah, I'm, I tell fortunes. But also you have free will. That's It's not written in stone. It's just I don't want to badmouth the competition, and I would never do that. But it just seems like they um, you know, they just have a different way of dealing with, with what's going on, a different way of telling people what's going on in their life. But of course, not every psychic has such a reserved stance. Well, I, I wouldn't recommend going to the storefront places. That's Catherine Ferguson. Catherine also operates her business out of her home, often doing work over the phone and the internet. She's actually been named one of the top 10 psychics in New York. It's more than not being spiritual. It's actually a scam. In her own practice and from a personal encounter with the storefront psychic, Catherine remains adamant about the unwritten rules of the psychic profession. I think we all have abilities that can be developed, and that's what I did. I developed them by going to these classes and working with it and doing a lot of meditation. You know, I don't know where these people got their skills, how they practiced or anything. Uh, that doesn't mean they don't have any powers of you know, any psychic ability. It's a matter of how it gets used in that context. My problem with them, or with any psychic who expects people to come back, who tries to hobble people so that they're not independent and not making their own decisions. Although, there is one issue that should be addressed. Entwined with the popular image of the psychic is a particular trope. Often bound to the Romani people is a gypsy stereotype. After centuries of tradition, to be sure, plenty of psychics are of Romani heritage, but certainly not all of them. And when you have a community that prefers to keep their cards close to their chest, like the psychics of New York, navigating those stereotypes can be a challenge. I think it depends. I mean, it's, it is hard. I found that to be a very difficult aspect of the reporting because you don't want to, you know, say that all psychics are Romani or all the Romani are psychics or fraudulent psychics. Within these particular criminal court cases, yes, all of the, the defendants were Roma from the Roma community. Clearly, not all Romani psychics are fraudulent. And like Angela said before. The difference is I, just, I like to give people the tools to work out their own problems, and I think the gypsies have a different way of thinking about that. We weren't able to speak to anybody from the Romani community, and we're not going to speak for them here. But whether or not they're as involved in the psychic world as people think, the misconception is there, for sure. So the connection between the psychic and the long con goes unanswered. What is the origin of this alluring tradition? While some say it is the practice of cultural survival or the generational remnants of an ancient faith, the fear of betrayal still exists. What was the word you said? Soothsaying? Soothsaying? Soothsaying. Fortune telling? Soothsaying. S O O T H S A Y I N G. Soothsaying. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
it's, I think it's a Shakespearean word. I think it was Julius Caesar, the soothsayer, comes up to him and says, Beware the Ides of March. He is a dreamer. Let us leave him. The soothsayer, like the diviner or the clairvoyant. The fleeting figures of our famed myths, tales, and Shakespearean tragedies. The word derives from the Old English word soth, meaning truth or genuine. Something all of us want and something we hate to see betrayed. But as we can gather from the fate of Julius Caesar, this psychic was no dreamer, nor a fraud behind a glass window, but a shadowy figure indeed. Whether it's the street of the ancient world, in our storybooks, or Manhattan's vacant storefronts and flickering neon signs, the psychic will always be there to teach us how to balance our fate and free will. With WNSR, this is El Brosh. You've been listening to Unexpected New York. This episode was produced by Chris Watkins, Paley Martin, Jamal Burke, and myself. 